Good morning, Orchard. Hey, how you, whether you're joining us here in the house, online, live, or later in the week on a podcast, we are so glad you were with us. Uh, we have today, I have promised uh, a big announcement. Last week, I, I said there's a big announcement today, and someone from the first service said, whew, I'm just uh, glad it was good and it wasn't about money. So the, anybody who's <laughs> worried can now know that it's good and it's not about money. Um, now, for those of you who might not know, we are walking through the book of Exodus. We happen to come today to this curious chapter, Exodus 18, which seems to be kind of a detour, but when you see what God is going to do by the end of this service, you're going to know that it was perfectly planned out that this would come together this way. Exodus 18, I'm going to jump in on verse 1. You can read with me up here in a worship center Bible. And by the way, if you ever need a Bible, you're welcome to take any of these that are in here. I mean, as long as they're the free ones that we have. Don't take somebody's leather bound that they left. But these, take all you want. Um, Verse 1. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. You see, after Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, His father-in-law, Jethro, received her and her two sons. The one son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I had become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, which means my father's God was my helper, and he saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. And Jethro had sent word to Moses saying, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons. What we're going to see here today is a reunion. Okay, it's going to be different than you would think, but this is a reunion. If you remember in Exodus 2, Moses was a prince in the courts of Egypt, but he fled the kingdom when he was caught murdering a slave master. He fled into the wilderness and came across this Midian family, Jethro's family, and fell in love and married Jethro's daughter, Zipporah. Now, it's with Jethro there in the Midian clan that Moses spent the next 40 years of his life Moses was at his rock bottom when he fell into Jethro's Jethro's family. And likely over the course of those 40 years of rebuilding his life and rebuilding a new life, I bet they formed some very tight bonds, which we'll see here in a second. We also learned that Moses had sent Zipporah, his wife, and his two sons away back to her father at some point. And this is believed that likely when he got closer to Egypt, he did not want to bring his sons and his wife to this showdown with Pharaoh in case there was, um, they were enslaved or hurt or, or even worse, killed. But now Jethro sends word to Moses, it's time for a reunion and I'm bringing the family with me. Now a few things to know about Jethro before we continue. We're told repeatedly that Jethro is the priest of Midian. And what does this, this doesn't mean that he is a priest of Yahweh, the God of Moses, the one true God, our God. It's believed through contextual clues that Midianites were polytheistic, poly meaning many. They had many gods like in Egypt. And in Numbers we learn that the Midianites were worshiping a god named Baal, a, a pagan idol who is throughout the Old Testament. So Jethro is a pagan priest who's coming to meet Moses with Moses' wife and children, verse 7. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And and if if you have any in-laws coming into town anytime soon, I want you to see the biblical example here of how you should receive your in-laws. And if they think it's strange, just say, hey, it's in the Bible, right? They greeted each other, and don't worry, the last verse in chapter 18 says, and Moses sent his father-in-law on his way back to his own land. So don't worry, yeah, okay? Starts well, ends well for everybody. They greeted each other and then went back into the tent. And I want you to, you know, hear what is going to happen in this meeting. They both sit down, 
And Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake. And all the hardships, all the hard times and the dark valleys they had met along the way and how the Lord had been with them and saved them through all those dark valleys and hardships. I mean, Moses tells of all the great works. He talks about how God defeated all the gods and goddesses of Egypt one after another with great signs and and wonderful miracles. How God tangibly defended his people from the violence of Pharaoh, his army. Moses sat there and recounted how, to, to his father-in-law, how the, the Red Sea split. And can you imagine him telling him what it was like to walk through the waters and then to look back and see Pharaoh's chariots swallowed up? He talks about how the God of Moses leads his people with the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. And imagine Jethro's awe when Moses talks about the manna, this, this, this divine bread every morning that's out there. And that there was a place where there was no water. And, and then God brought water from a rock in the middle of the desert. You can imagine how this lands with Jethro. I mean, he's already showed up. He sees the pillar of cloud. He sees the millions of people, this unbelievable testimony of Moses, and then he sees it backed up with all this evidence that God has done something incredible. His son-in-law, who was a fleeing fugitive when they first met, who tended his flocks, is now the leader tending to a nation, and God has done amazing things in this people and through these people and through Moses especially. So how does Jethro, this pagan priest, respond to this testimony? Verse nine, Jethro was delighted to hear all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hands of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. You can just see him. This stately older patriarch, this, this, this priest sitting on the floor as they would in this tent across from Moses. And, and as Moses tells this story, he just leans forward. At the, and in every new insight or part of twist of the story, his eyes grow wide. His, the Red Sea splits, his mouth is wide. I mean, he's, he's hearing about all these amazing miracles that God has done. He, he hears about how the, the God of Moses defeated um, Osiris and Iris and Horus and even the mighty Ra and Pharaoh. I mean, as a priest, he, he deals in religious. And he deals in, in idols and sacrifices and rituals, so he, he gets this. But to hear Moses, all that he tells him, to hear of the true unrivaled power of the God of Moses to defeat all of the gods, well, this is something a priest would recognize instantly. And then he would see the evidence all around Moses of what God has done. Jethro was delighted, and he finishes with, now I know that the Lord, and notice it's spelled all capitals. That's the covenant name of God. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all other gods. All other gods? Which means what to a pagan priest? All the gods at Midian. All the gods that I've been doing sacrifices for. All the rituals I've been involved in. Everything that I have been involved in, now I see that this Yahweh is greater than any and all the gods. Jethro comes to a moment of belief and faith in the God of Moses. His heart recognizes that the God of Moses is far greater. And in that belief, in that moment of faith, I believe a transaction happens. And I believe what we have here is Jethro, the pagan priest of Midian, converting to the one true God. Yahweh. In fact, look what Jethro does next. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in in the presence of God. 
You know, he has, he has done so many rituals. He has partaken in so many sacrifices and all that he has to do for all the pantheon of gods they have. But now he's like, I, I, have, to, I have to give a sacrifice to the one true God. And under the direction of Moses, Jethro, converted to Yahweh, now goes and makes his first offering to the one true God. Former pagan priest, now offering a sacrifice to Yahweh. Now, what do we learn from this short little passage here? Orchard, we learn that your testimony is powerful. We learn that a testimony, which is simply your God's story, has power in it. Your God's story, your testimony, is how God has been with you through the hardships, seen you through the dark valleys, and changed you throughout your life. And this passage reminds us of a profound truth. It's the truth that our personal testimony of God's work in our lives has the power to change other people. When we share how God has worked in our lives, when we express our gratitude and, and awe of his intervention where he has or where he's even seen us through dark valleys but did not intervene, but he's with us. When we look back and see those times where we have been broken, had a breakthrough, and that God is, when we, when we, when we talk about those, it has the potential to inspire others who find themselves in those very places. You know, Jethro's response was not a result of Moses' eloquence. Jethro's response wasn't because he was just such a good sermon and he persuaded him. It was a direct response to the power and presence of God who was evident in Moses' life. In a world, world filled with, with skepticism and with doubt, our personal stories have the ability to break through the barriers. Most of you know the miraculous story we had with Pastor Stacy who had a heart attack and who wasn't supposed to survive and who was not supposed to recover. But she woke up the next morning, recovered. And she's only grown stronger every day since and, and has baffled so many who, who have been on her case to see what happened here. Well, that's an amazing testimony. I have told that story to many people. People who believe in God, people who don't. At restaurants, I told it to one of my, one of my good friends is a professing atheist, and we were at a bar, and I told him the struggle. He goes, he goes, you got anything special for me, Padre? That's what he calls, that's what he calls me. You got, anything, you got anything new, Padre? I go, oh, I got something. And I told him the story in detail of what God did to save Stacy, and he leans back and goes, now that messes with me. I saw him a couple weeks later, and he said, man, I've, I've told that story to a lot of my friends. <laughs> testimony of God's power has power. But what about the testimonies that don't involve some miraculous healing? Because not all of you have that story, right? What about the story of God's work in your life that you can share that will make, make somebody lean forward and go, oh, that messes with me, or I want that. What could you share? What has happened in your life? What have you been through? What has God seen you through? Those times when you went through a very dark of season, but somehow God gave you peace that surpasses understanding and you walked through with faith, knowing he was with you. That makes people who are walking through a dark season with, without peace and not knowing God is with them lean in and go, no, I want that. What about those times you didn't know where to turn or go in life, but, but you went to God and he gave you wisdom and direction and purpose. Those times you were trapped in vice, yet he freed you. Those times you were ashamed of your sin, yet reminded once again that because of Jesus, there is forgiveness and there is grace. 
Those times when your marriage may have been breaking, but through faith and resilience and standing on the promise covenant of God, you had a breakthrough instead of a breakup. Those times when God did in your life, in your heart, what only God can do. We've all had those at different levels. The big things, when he guided you and when he helped, but also it's not just limited to the big extraordinary things or the, or the darkest seasons, but there's also the everyday moments where his presence is felt. There's the quiet whispers of guidance throughout the day. There's the, there's the peace in the, in the process of your day. And there's the inexplicable joy sometimes when you just realize that you are a son or daughter of God forgiven. It's seeing those ordinary moments. They hold extraordinary power when you share them with others. When we speak from the depths of our hearts, when we transparently share our struggles, our victories, our encounters, we invite others into that relationship with God. You see, our testimonies become a beacon of hope, illuminating the path for others to Jesus. But to do this, one thing we don't do is get religious. And, and, and you, know, you know us, you know me, you know who we are, this is who we are. Like you don't go out and suddenly go, well, let me tell you about sanctification. No, 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 no. When you're gonna share your story with your friends and your family, we don't get proud, we don't clean up our story. It means we don't shy away from the reality of what happened and being vulnerable. It means being willing to admit where we've had brokenness and failures because that re reveals where we've experienced God's breakthrough in grace. Our testimony is not about showcasing our perfection. It's about magnifying God's faithfulness in and through our imperfections. Each of us has a unique story to tell, a story God has crafted. And, and throughout your life, you are here today. He is, he is, your, your spiritual journey has been through many seasons. And your story has been through many dark valleys and many peaks. But God has been crafting and weaving a story in you that someone needs to hear who they will lean in and go, I want that. Your story has the potential to change lives. Your story has the, uh, the potential to, to, to ignite the flickering, dying flames of somebody else's faith. Your story has the, the ability to, to inspire someone else to, to show up here and seek God, the God you talk about. Don't underestimate the significance of your story, where you've been, and how God has worked in you and through you. People go, oh, my, my testimony is so small. I was never addicted to anything and didn't live under a bridge. You're like, There's a spectrum of life, but everyone has a story. And there are ways that God has worked in and through your life that someone needs to hear. We talked about taking spiritual risks last week. I want to challenge you this week in a way to take one. I want you to do what Moses did. I want you to go tell somebody what God's done in your life. That's all he did. He said, let me tell you what God's been doing. Or if someone says, man, I'm in a really difficult spot, or I'm in, I'm in my relationship here, or, or when, when they, you say, you know what, I've been there. Let me tell you the only way I got through it. And then you tell your God story. How he gave you peace in the process. Invite others into this life that you live with God because our testimony is powerful. Revelation 12, 11 says that the enemy is defeated by the blood of Jesus and by the power of our testimony. Do you hear that? Your God story holds more dynamite than you have any idea. And we're ashamed or afraid to open up a little bit it can be explosive, amazing results in someone's life. It's time for many of us to step out and, and let that power go forth. Back to Exodus in 13. It's the next day. 
The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And the people, they stood around him from morning until evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what are you doing? <laughs> what, are you, what are you up to? Why do you alone sit as judge while these people stand around from morning till evening? I mean, Jethro, he's just now converted, but he knows leadership, and he's like, what is this? Moses responds, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses just kind of says, I don't know. This is simply what we do. This is how we've done it. This is, this is what I do. Listen to Jethro's answer. Only a father-in-law can say this. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. I heard, I heard what you said, but what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. You'll wear each other out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me now. I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. Must bring people's represent you must be the people's representatives before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way to live and how they behave. In verse 19, Jethro right here says there's two things that Moses needs to do to be the representative on the behalf of people to God. That means, Moses, pray for the people. Go before God and pray for the people. Two, it says this, teach them God's decrees and instructions on how they should live. Moses, pray for the people and preach to the people. I love that Jethro says, what you're doing is not good. You and the people are just gonna wear yourselves out. It works too heavy. He, he tells them to go on and get help. Find leaders. You know, two, two years ago, the elder board and they came to me and said, Daniel, there's a lot of work for you to do at the orchard, and you can't handle it alone. Um, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've been growing. Uh, usually our summer season is when we have a dip in attendance, but, but we have continued to see people come to hear the word of God, a word of hope, a word of truth from God's word, and amazing worship, amazing children's ministry and youth. I, I mean, Sundays there is a, around 500 of us in the building all over. And uh, some people during second service tell me, like, it's hard to find. I had to drive around and find parking. You know, you're inviting friends. Your friends are coming. People are hearing. God's growing us. I want to let you know something. These are great problems to have. I'm not complaining. It's great. In fact, we're talking in the fall, you know, after the summer. Is that in the fall, we might have to go to a third service. We don't know. If God keeps bringing them, we're going to open up. Because we will, all we want to do is illuminate Jesus. And if people want to hear about Jesus, we'll keep doing it. So it's fun, to be us. It's, it's fun to be us. We're growing. Now, I want to make sure you understand that we have an amazing, mighty staff here at the Orchard. We have world-class children's ministry with Pastor Stacy. If you have a kid who's been up in there or you've been involved with her, it is world-class children's ministry. We have youth. We partner with Young Life and our new uh, Caleb, who's our middle school director. We have pastoral counseling um, from my dad. And then Ellen handles and leads so many other things. I personally believe we have the greatest Sunday morning church in the state, and I'll stand by that. Preaching on Jesus rooted in the word, Micah and the band leading us, kids and youth up there learning about Jesus. Sunday, I want to tell you this, we're on point. We can always get better. God can always do more, but we are, we're, we're, we're doing so well. But I had to do some real soul searching and ask, how are we doing Monday through Saturday as a church? Because if, if we're just coming once a week and getting a, a spiritual, you know, just a, a spiritual meal once a week, we're going to be anemic. What about growth groups, small groups, men's ministry, women's ministry? 
We have a growing young adult ministry. We have Bible studies. What about a, a discipleship process? What about a, what about a new believer process? What about a new person's process, a, a guest's process? How are we doing there? You see, there's so many places in this church that we have grown that it's just grown beyond my ability and my bandwidth. And I finally had to look at myself and know that the orchard, I need help. My Jethro was my wife. We were going to Grand Junction, and she was talking about the stress that I was facing. And she said, what you are doing is not good. <laughs> what? I was doing okay. My Jethro is the elders who said, the work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Like Moses, what the orchard needs is someone else with great character and high competence, competency. Someone who can come in and build teams. Someone who can, who can recognize and raise up and support leaders. Someone who can connect us all, connect the unconnected. Someone who can partner with me to initiate a discipleship process that makes us a stronger, deeper-rooted church. Someone who can grow us into a healthier church Monday through Saturday, Saturday by championing small groups so that the 500-plus in this place can meet throughout the week in homes and in living rooms and in growth groups and, and get to know each other and get to know God's Word in a new way. Someone who can help us become a stronger healthier church. Well, we found someone. Today, I'd like to announce that God has led us to a hire an associate pastor, unanimously voted by the elders and approved by my wife. <laughs> Some of you may have known him from um, other, other places, but I want to announce to you today our new associate, Dan Bosco. Come on up. We're, uh, we're really, we are so glad that Dan is here, aren't we? Yes. We see eye to eye in a lot of things. <laughs> oh, let me come down here, move this. Well, Dan, we are glad you are here. Welcome aboard. Thank you, buddy. God connected Dan and I over a year ago through a mutual friend um, who didn't really, I mean, we didn't advertise the job. Um, God connected us, and we've had a lot of meetings and a lot of prayer to bring us to this point. Uh, we yes, sought sir. God on this, didn't we? We yeah. did. This has been a process. Waited on the Lord, and uh, yeah. I was tied up with some other things at the time, uh -huh. but uh, then God opened the door at the right time. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, first of all, I just, this is Dan. Dan, this hey, is everybody. Good morning, oh, Orange yeah, Church. Yeah, just to clarify. Good to be with you. Dan. Daniel. <laughs> okay. Dan. Daniel. <laughs> Listen, why don't you just start out, tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever you'd want us to know. Yeah, just a quick little background from upstate New York originally, uh, born and raised and did uh, business on the East Coast, and then around the early 90s got involved in ministry and uh, with an organization called Athletes in Action. Maybe some of you have heard of them, uh, part of Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew. Um, and then I went on to seminary in Texas and then out to Vail to be a pastor and a ski instructor there and then came to... Um, Aspen in 2005 to work with Crossroads Church, mm -hmm. which was a, a great experience up the road. Um, in 2018, it kind of hit a point of just, I'll be honest with you, just burnout, um, trying to do everything, very much what you were just talking mm -hmm. about. And uh, I had to step back from ministry and just do a reset. And uh, it was a big, powerful time. I'll chat more about that later or some other time, but uh, a big change. And so for the last few years, I've been doing some business stuff and um, and just trusting the Lord and waiting on the Lord for the, the right opportunity. Because my heart is, 
is, is this right here. It's church. It's, it's being involved in a community. It's uh, loving and, and, and walking with people um, through life. And uh, that's what I love. And that is my heartbeat. And so just waiting on the Lord for the right opportunity to get back at it. And, uh, and then all this came. Yeah, and it was the it right happened. time. And it was the right time. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, there's a lot going on at the orchard. We've talked a lot about the things that God is doing. Like, what is it when you see the orchard and what God's up to? What is it that drew you to this place? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I do want to go back to this man right over here, as I mentioned in the first service, mm-hmm. your dad. Because 17, 18 years ago, Doug and I started sitting down as a part of just pastors networking in the valley when I was with Crossroads and just chatting about life and ministry. And I always admired his heart and because and, 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 it told me about the heart of, of the orchard, mm-hmm. that real people doing real life together. And, and I'm just just grateful for Doug. And, and even when I was going through some really tough times a few years ago, we sat down and had lunch. But I don't know if you remember that, but, but right over here in, in uh, Carbondale and just chatting about life. And so, um, yeah, th- th- that was initially, I mean, Doug, just, just knowing Doug's history, but then to see after we started chatting about, you know, how, how God was working here. I mean, God is moving. There's just no doubt. And, and that is just so, so exciting. And you don't want to just go wherever God's moving. You want to go where God calls you. But, but it was very clear that God is on the move here at the orchard. And so between the people and, and what God's doing and then the vision that, mm-hmm. that we've chatted about, mm-hmm. a lot of our lunches weren't really about a job. It was, it yeah. was about just talking church. Yeah. I wanted to know your heart and yeah. you want to know my heart. And I love the simplicity of love God, love people. It just breaks it all down. And the simple things that make it very, very tangible uh-huh. for how we, we, we live this life out. Yeah. That's really awesome. You, you have a lot of experience in your past mm-hmm. in church work. Uh, tell us about in ministry what it is, what, what fires you up? What's your passion? Yeah, I, mean, I, I love what you do on Sundays, uh-huh. right? It's preaching and speaking, and I love to do that too uh, on occasion. But my heartbeat is the Monday to Saturday, just what you were chatting about mm-hmm. earlier. It's, it's, it's how, how do we do life together? What's it look like for us to journey together, to get on the, the spiritual road together, to spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, the discipleship process mm-hmm. that you mentioned? Because, you know, I, I just believe, as, as Ephesians talks about, God wants to do great and, and amazing things in our life. He has stuff for us beyond what we can even think or imagine. Mm. So my heart and my passion is to see my own life and your life and our lives empowered beyond what we could ever think or imagine. I believe God just wants to do so much in our hearts and our souls. It's never going to be perfect because life on a broken planet is never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. But to journey with each other, to spur one another on, to encourage one another, that's my heartbeat. And, and to do that, as, as you often say here, we're, we're not just a church of rows, we're a church of circles. That, that we get in, 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 in smaller communities, and be that a, a small group, be that a men's group, a woman's group, or a, just a, a more diverse group, that we sit down and we connect with one another, we encourage one another, we pray for one another, we love one another. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's really where what my heart gravitates. Yeah. gravitates most. That's amazing. One of the things that, I, that as Dan and I were talking that was such a good fit is, you know, we're a church over 500, but we have about, I mean, five growth groups, five small groups. And uh, community is something that we are, the depth of community that we are lacking. And he, Dan has such a heart for that and also such a gifting and leadership of connecting and finding leaders and initiating these groups. And so I think that's going to be a place where we're going to be so much stronger as we move forward, so much healthier as we're sitting in living rooms, not just in rows right here. Um, and, and it's summertime. So in the short term, these three months, what is it you hope to see happen? 
Yeah, it's initially, I just want to get to know everybody. Just get to know the church, get to know the culture, get to know the heartbeat of, of what's happening here. You know, I think you go to seminary and they give you all the X's and O's to doing church. But, and then often, I'll be honest with you, you graduate from seminary and you just want to go and throw all these X's and O's all over people and all over the church. And you realize you miss often the heart of the people. And, and so um, those things are good. We need X's and O's. That's, that's what we're, uh-huh. we're talking about. But, but to really just say, you know, this summer, I want to be about getting to know y'all, um, getting to hear your stories, getting to hear your heartbeats, your passions. I want to get to know uh, the various folks serving in the church and leading, seeing mm-hmm. how I can come alongside them, encourage them and love them and support them and what mm-hmm. they're doing, as well as to see, and, and I'll put this out there right now, if you're desiring to step into leadership roles of any kind, I'd love to hear about that. Mm. If you desire to be more involved, I want to hear about that. If you're sitting here, maybe it's your first time being at this church. And I want to help you connect, to hear more about the heartbeat of, of the orchard, uh, where we're going, and how you can be involved. Um, that's, that's, yeah. Um, that's great. And when we know what we're hoping. We've talked about what we hope to accomplish together and what you'll accomplish here at the orchard. But mm-hmm. what are you hoping that God does in your, because this is a new season for you. Yeah. What are you hoping God does in, in your life and with your time with us? Yeah, thanks, bud. I, um, I, honestly, like I said, you know, I, I went through some tough stuff four or five years ago, and, and, and this has been a reset for me, and now this very much is a restart, mm. if you will, in, in ministry. So for me personally, I, I've been just totally caught up in, in this idea of the awe of God. There's a great verse in chapter 2 of the book of Acts that talks about them devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and gathering together in fellowship and prayer and breaking of bread, and it says a great awe came upon them. And I, this, is, this has been my kind of what I've just been chewing on, folks, because, you know, again, you realize you can do so many things. There's so many things to do in the Christian world and life. But I think it just begins with being in awe of God, hmm. where you are just, wow, caught up with the reality, the existence of God, how much he loves us, what he wants to do, and, and what he wants to do, not, not only in us, but through us. So mm-hmm. personally, I, I want to grow into that more, because I know as I grow into that more, I'm going to be a better minister here mm-hmm. at Orchard. I, I will love better. As I know God's love for me more, I will love mm-hmm. each of us, each of you, in, in a much healthier, better mm-hmm. way. So yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of the heartbeat, just to put the gifts into in the play and, and run with it. I'm excited. I am in so many places where I am. I, I have weak. I have weaknesses. I know you don't. You're you're welcome to talk to my my wife. Um, I'm kidding. And there's so many places where I have a weakness. Uh, Dan is so strong. There's such a complementary nature of of my gifts and his gifts that is going to help the orchard. We're going to be a healthier church, a deeper rooted church because of this. And so I'm excited. And so um, you're going to introduce yourself. He's going to be out here at the gathering center afterwards. Make sure you introduce yourself. And I want you to keep introducing yourself like the next four weeks, two months, because he's got a lot of names. I told the first service, we're all going to be wearing name tags for two months, but not really. But just make sure you introduce yourself and give him your name. If I could have the uh, elders and uh, is my dad still in here? He does what he wants. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want to I want us to uh, have a moment to pray over Dan.
our elders and leadership. And uh, if you guys would reach out your hands as well, as we're going to commission him as a pastor here in this house, this church body, to have God do amazing things. Father, we thank you for Dan Bosco. We thank you that you have brought him to the orchard. Father, you arranged this. You have worked out uh, so many things to get us to this point. And so I thank you for that. I pray for your favor upon Dan. We pray for more favor. We pray, Father, that you would do mighty things in him and through him. Father, I pray that his greatest season of ministry be in front of him. And Father, I pray for many of us that we would get to know him in a deep way. And Father, that you would transform our church through his ministry. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. 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 Thank you very much. Uh, Dan's going to do what Dan does best so I can do what I do best so that we can be the best church that God's asking us to be, a healthy church, thriving in community. You know, that's, that's, that's what we want. Um, God has been doing, again, it's not just, we don't just want to thrive in, in size. God's going to grow us in his timing. That's not what I'm about. But we want to grow in depth. And here's what I want to say. If this is your first week at the orchard, you're like, I showed up on the church business week. Hey, but at least it wasn't about money and it was good, right? Yeah? If this is your first week, hey, I hope you're just getting a taste of who we are. We love God and we love people. No asterisks. And listen, we follow Jesus and illuminate him above all things. And that's my challenge to you today as you leave. And we're going to worship and then as you leave is that you take, uh, you step into the story of Moses and you do what he did. He just sat down and he told somebody what God had done in his life. I want you to have the privilege of doing that this week, of meeting somebody where they are. And here's what else I know. In a room this size, some of you came today not looking to hear any kind of announcement. You came today because you have a deep need. But there are people in here who are, you came and you are hurting today. You're heartbroken today. There are places in your life where things are breaking. There are those of you in here who are in vice, who just need freedom. There are those of you in here who are just crippled in shame, who have been fighting the whole service with, with what you've done in your past and need to be reminded of God's great grace and forgiveness. And I want to remind you this, that the same God who split the Red Sea for Moses wants to have a breakthrough for you in your life. That the same God in the, in the Old Testament we were studying who does all these things, he wants to move in your heart and your life, whatever season you're in. And so here we, we have our elders and leadership here. We're going to be, we're going to have some over here up front, over here up front in the back, because there are some of you today who need to take a spiritual risk and step out and say, will you pray for me? I, I really need it today. I'm empty, and I showed up with great need. So as we worship, I want those of you who need uh, prayers to come get prayer, but here's the other response. Those of you in here, um, we need to, like Dan said, step into the awe of God, that the God of Moses, Yahweh, is our God, who sent his son Jesus. And so we're gonna sing that he is the same God. And I want you to lift your voices. I want you to lift your heart. Some of you, maybe you don't lift your hands, but maybe today you get all charismatic and lift a pinky, I don't know. but I want you to lift your heart and worship to the God who is great in our midst. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and let's worship.